Hello everybody and welcome back to the Glory Glory Mind Night Podcast. I'm your host as always, Kyle Quinn, and joining me today for the first time is Callum Stone from theunitedroad.com. How's it going, Callum? Yeah, not bad yourself. I'm good, I'm good, and, and even better with United doing so well in, in pre-season. Um, so imagine there that you're from, you, you write for theunitedroad.com, um, can you tell us a little bit about that? It's just a, a well. It's my my website. It's just a, a little blog that I do. Um, try and write a little bit about it, and just try and keep it lighthearted and entertain people. I don't write it write with it all the time. It's kind of just when I, if and when I'm free, to be honest. Um, and yeah, just 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 as a little hobby, really. So if anyone wants to check it out, feel free. There's loads of stuff on there. The website was updated a few months ago as well, so. There's um, plenty of stuff that's on there, a lot of moaning about the glazers and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, feel free to check that out, unitedroad.com. Uh, it's just a blog site that I created a few years ago um, and just write on it as a, as a little hobby. Yeah, go ahead and check that out, everybody. Um, moaning about the glazers is always welcome among the fan base. Um, right, you, also, <laughs> you also do some work for Stratford Paddock, is that right? Yeah, well, I know a couple of lads on there, so they ask me on every now and then. Um, yeah, it's good fun going on there, to be fair. All the lads that are involved with it are all, are all great lads. are all over in America at the moment, doing a lot of content for the uh, for the pre-season tour at the moment, so check that out as well. But, uh, yeah, it's always good fun going on that channel. Um, it's, uh, it's a good laugh with the lads. Yeah, I've been watching some of their videos and had the same very, very jealous uh, of them. Being yeah, I definitely am. Well, I was, <laughs> I was on the other day. I was on the other day with Joe McGrath, and then he was out heading out there the, the day after we did the watch along against. Uh, I think it was Leon. Um, so he's over there now as well. Um, but yeah, I, I am jealous of them very, very much. So. Yeah, they've been putting up sightseeing videos of New York and San Diego and all as well. So, uh, go ahead and check that out. Um, okay. Um, on the agenda today, also we talk a little bit about uh, the takeaways from the Arsenal game, uh, including Kobe Menu and Jane Sancho. Obviously, we'll, we'll take a look at the Hodgeland situation again, and then talk about the departures of like Alanga and uh, Teles, and then um, some surprising news that is uh, with Johnny Evans coming back to the club, albeit maybe on a temporary basis, um, and then we'll discuss. Kane and Mbappe, even though one of them arriving United is probably unlikely, but we'll talk about it anyway. And then Bruno becoming the new captain, obviously, and what maybe at the end we'll talk about the the, the new kit, which has caused quite the debate. Um, so I watched the United win over Arsenal, which was quite comfortable, really, in the end, which was quite surprising. United were very defensively solid. Um, there was a hundred million pound midfielder on display for Arsenal, but really the only player who looked like a hundred million pound midfielder was Kobe Menu on the day. Trying not to get carried away because it's only pre-season, but I'm very impressed with the young lad. Um, Jane Sancho has been operating as a as a as a false nine in uh, pre-season, and according to Laurie Whitwell of the Athletic. Um, the trial of Sancho at uh, False Nine is a genuine attempt by Eric Ten Hag to see if he could perform the role on a regular basis this season. Ten Hag has been encouraged by what he has seen. Yeah, well, he pounced on the mistake from Gabriel very well and was a, a very good breakaway and a ruthless finish. Um, and Bruno's goal came from, from a mistake by the goalkeeper, Ramsdale. So, apart from Anthony De Santos, uh, as usual, who's finishing is a bit wayward. United were, were clinical against Arsenal. Um, so, I just want to get your thoughts, Callum, on Kobe Menu. How have you been uh, following his progress? Well, there was a lot of talk about him last season, wasn't there, about how he was going to be the breakout sort of star from the academy. Um, I mean... It, to be honest, there was quite a few that have left it. You know, Zidane Iqbal and Charlie Savage, just to name a couple, who are, I actually thought were probably good enough to come into the first team. So I was surprised to see them leave. But the, um, obviously, Ten Hag has some kind of plan for Maynou. And it, I know there's a lot of talk about him possibly going out on loan. And United have just gave everybody a no straight away. So I think there's quite a big plan for him to come into the, the first team squad at least. Because um, he can operate more in the six and the eight positions as well. So it'd be good cover there. Um, obviously we've been in a lot of competitions again this season as well, he'll definitely get some minutes um, I, I do try to take pre-season with a pinch of salt mate, you know, 
I mean, Andres Pereira looked incredible for us, didn't he? When when <laughs> we had a preseason quite a lot, so. Um, but you know, the sides are encouraging. Preseason is all about getting match fitness for the players, and you know, letting the the younger lads kind of shine to get the minutes that they wouldn't usually get in the Premier League to see if they can get either either a move on loan or a, uh, to be sold elsewhere to, you know, start playing senior football or if they can force away to the manager's plans in the first team. So, and Mainu's clearly done that, and there's obviously a lot of talk of him being part of the first team squad throughout the season. Um, you know, he he sort of smashed it in the in the younger ages. In terms of last season, um, I think he made his debut. Uh, I can't quite remember who it was against now, but he's already made his debut, I believe, in the Premier League. So um, I think we'll be seeing a hell of a lot more. He's, I think he's only 18 as well. So it's really promising to see that United's Academy have, are still and forever have done, but, you know, producing top talents that other teams are quite jealous of. It, it's something that United have always done so well. Yeah, he already looks like a player who's played a hundred times for the club. Um, his 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 passing is excellent, but not only that, not only that uh, how good he is in tight areas has really impressed me. Um, I know he's almost like a a mixture of I don't know Thiago Alcantara and Michael Carrick. You know, he, he's that type of player. Um, hopefully, he can be even better than those. Um, so what I wanted to ask you is, we've been linked with uh, the Fiorentina midfielder. Amr Amrabat, um, he play, played for Morocco at the World Cup and did really well. Do you think we should park that and and just uh, give Menu uh, more of a chance next season to uh, deputise for Casemiro? Uh, I'd probably still pursue it only because um, we saw with the Langer the pressure that he, he kind of was put under under a, a team that was kind of struggling. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be the same this season, but what I don't want is a young player to come in with. You know, who's quite inexperienced. It's it's really important that we kind of bed, bed him in in the right way because I don't want him to come in and you know what you know what our fan base is is like, especially online, especially with certain people, how toxic that they can be against some of the players. And I don't, you know, having that cover there for Casemiro and for Mount Eriksson and, and um, the, the players who tend to play more in the deep lying parts of the pitch. Having that cover there would be really helpful. It wouldn't only just help Kobe Mainu, but it'd help Casemiro as well, and we'd have less of a reliance on him. So I, I don't, you know, you've got to remember as well, um, Ericsson's quite, I think he's, is he 31 now, 30, 31? So it's all about sort of transitioning and, and getting the right midfielders in now, um, but also making sure that our young players are, are bedded in as well and not thrown in at a deep end. Because... Um, you know, obviously over the last few years, United haven't been at the best and I think some of the young players have really been punished because of that and it's not fair on them. So, I'd, I'd, you know, we all could see what a talent Mainu is. So, we really need to take care of him properly. You know, it's a bit similar to Garnacho. Uh, Garnacho. There was a lot of talk about his attitude and stuff from and Bruno sort of bedding him in in the right way and showing some leadership with that and he obviously sort of knuckled down and now look at him he's an incredible player who's featuring in the first team every every week so um, hopefully Bruno can do the same again but the cover in midfield is going to be really necessary um, not only for Mainu and the young players but um, to help Casemiro as well because we obviously saw the over-reliance we had on him as a midfielder last year when, when his backups were Fred and McTominay who, no disrespect to them they clearly weren't at the same level as Casemiro do you think uh, if we bring in, uh, I, I keep struggling with the, the saying his name, um, Amrabat, um, and uh, Menu plays a lot more minutes this season. Do you think now is the time to move on from Macfred? Um, I think uh, I think they'll both probably leave. I think they they both obviously got a lot of interest in them. I know. Um, with Declan Rice going to uh, Arsenal, there's a lot of talk of West Ham being in for McTominay. Um, and um, Fred's obviously got a lot of interest from Fulham. So I wouldn't be surprised if both of them stay. I actually think because of the interest, they'll be the two to leave and it'll be Donny van der Beek that stays, um, which is something that I don't think anyone would have thought of a few months ago. Um, obviously, Ten Hag's worked with van der Beek as well before, so hopefully he can get something out of him because we all know he's a good player. It's just not worked out for him uh, quite so far. So... Um, you know, it should it should go um, it should go okay, but I can see both of them probably leaving. You know, thank you for what they've done for us and stuff like that, and not to disrespect them, but obviously with the with the team trying to get back to the top and win trophies that we did do in so so many times over the years, 
I don't know if Fred and McTominay would be those players to take us back there. And it's there, you'd probably say they're two of the players that you'd look at improving on, especially in the first team. You know, the home at Fred thing was something that Solskjaer wanted to address, but just wasn't given the backing, I don't think. Um, and who knows what could have happened if he was. But um, I think it is probably time to move on uh, for them. Probably for a few players, to be honest, but in particular mentioning them, yeah. Yeah, we know that uh, Donny can play at the top level. We've seen him do it for Ajax. He was even shortlisted for the Ballon d'Or in 2019, I think it was. Whereas Fred and McTominay are never going to reach that level. Um, so I, I agree with the, the points that you're making there. Um, Donny van der Beek's goal against Leon, I think it was, was just magnificent. I love yeah, to see a very him... good goal. Really, really good goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd love to see him do that in a, in a Premier League game. Um, but I don't see him being any more than a, than a squad player, even under Ten Hag, because um, we've got so many options in, in that position. And obviously, it's the role of the the captain, um, Bruno Fernandes. He tends to operate at number 10. So is it, it wasn't really much of a surprise, was it, that Bruno was given the captaincy after Maguire was stripped off, was it? I mean, to be honest, with the, with the lack of game time that Maguire got last season, I think it was pretty obvious that Bruno was the captain anyway, whenever... When Maguire wasn't playing, Bruno was the captain. So I kind of think it was just a bit, you know, it wasn't exactly, it was probably football's worst kept secret. I think Bruno was always going to be the next captain. He's showing his leadership abilities. You know, the fact that we've got a player in Bruno that every other team in the Premier League hates and some of our own fan, fan base hate for no reason. But, you know, the fact that we finally got a player that everybody hates because of his nature and how he plays the game is, you know, a huge credit to him, I think. And he's, he was kind of, he was kind of the only natural choice within the team. I think there was, there wasn't going to be anybody else get it. It was always going to be him for me. Um, there was a reason why he was favourite. He was obviously showing everything that he could do last season as, as captain. And it was kind of an easy choice, I think, for Ten Hag in the end, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, Ten Hag had already showing his hand last season, given that Bruno was captain in almost every game. Um, yeah, he showed even great leadership in the cup final with, with the penalty. Um, I think it was another example of why he's the captain. The, the only criticism I would have of him is the simulation that he does uh, now and again. So I don't like to see any United player do that. I was very critical of Arce Young when he did it, Ronaldo in his early days. Um, I would just like to see him cut that out of his game. But apart from that, he's uh, he's been a wonderful sign. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that's Bruno though. It's like you say, it's it's kind of part and parcel of modern day football now. It came back all the way from Jurgen Klinsmann. He kind of brought brought that into the game, didn't he? You know, it, everybody does it now, and unfortunately, until until the authorities crack down on that, it's never going to change. So, you know, if the FA and the Premier League got together and said, "Look, we're going to," and, and the Refereeing Association basically went, "If you dive, we'll we'll cl- clamp down on that." Unfortunately, in real time, it's probably quite hard for the referees to see it there live. But, you know, if in hindsight, after games, easily there's easy ways to punish diving and punish simulation because it's cheating. It's cheating for a free kick and, and for, for penalties. So, you know, I, I don't particularly fault Bruno for that. Um, I probably faulted Ashley Young at the time. Um, but, you know, looking looking at it with a, a more wiser head, it, it you, you can understand why they do it because you know it's just not it's something that happens in football that they can't that they just won't seem to clamp down on until they do it's going to happen every week yeah it will probably have to be handled retrospectively because even referees get it wrong uh, at times um, there was the comical situation in the, in the Bundesliga I think it might have been Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich last season there where like a referee booked a player for diving then it was overturned by VAR and the penalty was given. Then later in the game, the same player went down, referee booked him for diving. Then VAR overturned it again and gave a penalty. It was just yeah, I saw that. I saw <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. And uh, both times, the player kind of thanked the referee. And I mean, referees make mistakes, don't they? I get that, but I mean that that's got to be some kind of coincidence that it was the same player. I mean, I felt for him a little bit. Really, I felt a little bad for the referee. Because it must have been quite embarrassing for him to think he was diving twice. Because he probably, I mean, you very rarely see, you know, free kicks for diving. So when a referee actually spots it, you're like, wow, fair play for spotting that. But you know, when a referee thinks that he's 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 dived and he hasn't, 
you know, that must have been quite embarrassing for the referee, I think. That, it was quite a viral clip, that, I think, actually. I think it was all, it was all over the show. I see it on TikTok every time I scroll, I think. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it's so rare, you know, to see to see something like that happen. You know, two incidents in the, in the same game where the referee it's, got it wrong. Yeah. It's like you say, it, it's, rare, it's rare to see it once, never mind twice, and then to the same player. It's, you know, it's, it, yeah. it's quite baffling, that. Yeah, well, it just shows you how... Um, the, the referees will obviously won't give a penalty unless they're certain, but they'll also not give a yellow card for diving unless they're certain. And, and the, the, there was a time where the referee got it horribly wrong twice in the same game, so it'd probably make other referees wary of handing out yellow cards uh, for diving in case they've got it wrong because they don't want to be humiliated. So it is something that will have to you need to dish out punishment retrospectively for, for those. And, uh, if I remember, even back in two thousand and nine, was it a Champions League game between Arsenal and Celtic, where Eduardo was the UEFA tried to ban him retrospectively for for a dive in a match, and then they ended up just uh, scrapping it in the end. They became became a bit of a mess, from what I remember, because um, it's I don't, not. I don't seen... remember that to be fair. I mean, if it, if it was, and they've and they've 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 retrospectively tried to ban him or punish him in some kind of way, there was obviously. Some kind of appeal that stopped it, but that was probably because there was no precedent set from the from previous times of it happening. So it, there needs to be a, a fixed rule in place for something like that to stop. But whether that comes in, I have no idea. Yeah, because I don't think it was even in the rules uh, to give three months. That's probably why they got it overturned. Then yeah, that that'll be why it was overturned. Then I imagine. Yeah, and I think they need to make it a rule and. At least a one match suspension for a, for a dive in the, in the penalty area. Um, okay, moving on to uh, just what I just want to touch on what I was talking about earlier. Um, Sancho playing as a false nine um, in preseason. Obviously, we don't want to take preseason too seriously, like you say. You know, Andres Pereira, the preseason Perlo is a prime example of why we we don't want to read too much into these games. But well, What's your feelings on 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 Sancho playing as a false nine? Uh, it, are you enthusiastic about that, or is it just something that's just never going to happen? I think I think Ten Hag seems to quite like him, especially you saw with the support he gave him last season. He does seem to quite like him, but we are starting to get quite stacked in terms of the wings. Obviously, we've got Rashford, Garnacho, uh, Ahmad, Anthony, um, and Sancho. Obviously, there's only two positions there, the right the right side and the left side. And I think with the talk of Hoyland coming in, um, we do need that sort of backup in the middle. So I do wonder if he's trying to just add a bit of fluidity to it to his game and just say, look, we need you to be a bit more versatile across the front three. Because we know we can play right and left, but I've never really known... I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I've never really known how much he plays in the middle. So whether he's trying to sort of train, change that so he can persist with him for now because obviously I, I don't I think I think Anthony will, I think he prefers Anthony on the right. He obviously prefers Rashford and Garnacho. Um and it doesn't look like Ahmad's gonna be leaving again on loan this season. It seems like we're gonna give him a, a genuine chance. So if that's the case then where does Sancho really fit? And I think the thing for, with Sancho is if he doesn't hit the ground running this season or perform well, I, there's a sizable asset there for Manchester United to sell. We're obviously famously not very good at recouping any money for transfers, so realistically, you've got you need to find somewhere for him. And if he doesn't hit the ground running this season, there's a strong chance he'll be sold. And if he's performing well in training um, in that false nine position, it's only fair that you give him a go. And you know, this is what preseason is about. You you test your team in different ways, and you give young lads a, a chance to to sort of put, potentially play into the manager's plans. So. I'm not completely against it. I'd have to see him more in that position, though. I know he's. I know he did a little bit in, against Leon and uh, against Arsenal, and he seemed to play quite well. I mean, he scored against Arsenal, didn't he? So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd hold it for now. But I'd, I'd like to see. I'd like to see more of him in that position to see how he performs, especially when we haven't got a striker at the moment. Yeah, it it could be an option uh, during the season, um, especially if we only bring in Hudgeland because he's still a, a very young striker. Um, we're only buying potential there, really, and you don't really want to be starting him in 50 games uh, at this point in his uh, Premier League career. Um, so maybe Sancho as a, as a false nine could be like a backup option um, whenever we're taking Hudgeland out of the team. Um 
yeah, so so far so good in pre-season with that, but uh, like I say, we can't read too much into it. Uh, once we, if we see him play this role against Wolves and he does really well, then I'll be more excited about it. Um, yeah, so I think Sancho will have to you know, find a role down the middle, whether it be number 10 or number 9, because like you say, we're stacked on the wings and he doesn't really have great pace. He's not going past players as much as he used to at Dortmund. Um, and most of his goals tend to come down the middle, so that might be where his future lies uh, at United next season. Um, so moving on to a couple of departures, um, and we want to see more and more of these. I'm sure you'd agree. Um, so Tellez has now left the club permanently to go to a Saudi Arabian club, uh, and Elanga uh, United have, have accepted a £15 million offer from Nottingham Forest, and that seems to be on the verge of completion. Um, so what's your thoughts on those then, Callum? Um, Tellez was Tellez was a strange one, really. I mean, I'm kind of glad Saudi Arabia came in for him because I don't think he was uh, great in the Premier League for Man United, really, was he? Um so, I, I, I didn't really see him much at Sevilla, to be honest. I can't really comment on how he was over in Spain, but I know he wasn't brilliant for Man United when we signed him. He was definitely signed as a backup for sure, wasn't he, really? And then Rangnick played him first team, and he, he was, I mean, he, he just wasn't very good for us, was he? It's, it's simple as that. So, the, the fact that we've managed to get some money into the club and uh, a sizable wage off the bill is always good in my eyes. Um Hopefully he does well over there. Be playing with Ronaldo again as well. I'm sure he'll earn a, a very good living as well. Obviously the like flashing money as much as they've got it over there. So um, I'm sure he'll do well. Uh, good luck to him and all that. Um, but it was obviously the right thing to do. Right time to move on. Um, with Alanga, um, it's really hard really because he is an international and he's got fifty. I think he's got about fifty plus Premier League games under his belt. So if you were to say that, and he plays for Man United, he plays for Sweden on a regular basis. So if you were to say that to someone, you'd think that you'd be getting a lot more than 15 million. But the guy hasn't scored a Premier League goal for a year and a half. So it's it's quite a weird one. 15 million seems cheap, but it's probably, in 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 contrast, it's probably about right, really, because I couldn't really see us getting much more. Um there's definitely more outgoings needed, but the fact that we've managed to get something, I mean, bringing 20 million quid, it's not great, is it? But there's no doubt about that. We need to bring some money into the club and especially with the current ownership situation, whatever we can bring into the club financially at the moment will help any kind of summer incomings because obviously we've mentioned before about Amrabat, but the the next priority has to be a striker. I mean, I said all along that the, goal, the goalkeeper has to be the number one priority for me. Now that's sorted, it's definitely, we need to go hell for leather for getting this striker in. Um, Hoyland will be a good signing, I think. But um, in terms of in terms of bringing in who we need to, we need to get more outgoing. So, along fifty million quid for Alanga's okay business, I think. Um, I'd have preferred a little bit more for Tellers, but you know, we needed him off the wage bill because he wouldn't have played at all. Um, I just I think it's a little bit insulting from Forrest to ask for. Dean Henderson on loan again, to be honest. It should be, I don't really understand. You know, he did really well for them. Did really well when he was on loan at Sheffield United as well. So, he should be, a, they should be putting a sizable fee down for him that we should easily be getting 30, 40 million for him, I think. But again, wages that were offered to him has, has halted how much we can get for these players because of complete mismanagement from Ed Woodward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for us, a really pushing their luck there. Um Offering fifteen million for Langa, and then look at the Tech Henderson back on loan. And he was one of the assets that we were hoping to get, you know, twenty to thirty million for. Um, I think we need to to make a, a thirty million pound seal this summer. Uh, if we're going to bring in Hodgland and Ambat, um, be it McTominay, Maguire, uh, or Henderson, I think we need to make a big seal like that. That's that's, that's that gets us thirty million pounds. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. He is one of the assets, isn't he? It's probably similar to Marshall, really, how we thought we'd get a decent amount of money for him. But Henderson's definitely one of the assets within the squad where we can get probably 30 plus million. So now we've signed Onana, it's definitely obvious he's not he's not going to be here this season. So Henderson, you know, it's a shame he didn't work out because I actually thought he would, have, he would have been replacing De Gea 18 months ago. The fact that he obviously hasn't, for whatever reason, is a bit of a shame. Um but obviously Onana's come in, so the fact that we could should be able to get a decent fee for him, like Chelsea wanted him a few. Like I, I don't understand why Tottenham are in for him. 
considering Hugo Lloris is going. So, um, big teams out there are after him, surely. And the money that we could get from these teams is a good amount because we need to be uh, we, we need to be bringing in as much as possible this summer to be able to fund any signings. So, hopefully, hopefully that deal gets done as soon as possible. Do you think that we'll we'll get how much money do you think we'll get from Maguire if he if indeed he goes at all? Again, this is another thing because of his wages, it kind of limits how much we can get for in a transfer fee. I think United would do well to get forty million. I, I th- forty million is what he's worth. I don't think we'll get that though. I think we'll probably get thirty million, um, and that's if anyone's interested in him because. The thing is with Maguire is I, I don't particularly... I think it's probably best for all parties that he moves on, but I half understand Maguire's mindset that he doesn't want to give up on his, his United career because he's at Manchester United. You want to be able to say that you've done your utmost to be able to succeed at one of the biggest clubs in the world. So if he if he doesn't leave, he can understand it, but you've also got to look at it from his England career point of view as well. Like It looks like he's probably fourth or fifth choice as Man United centre-back. With Levi Colwell having such a good season at, at Brighton and it looking like he's going to be a first-choice defender at Chelsea, he will probably take Maguire's spot in the England team and Maguire's going to have to be wary of that. So, surely for the betterment of his England career, solely Maguire should understand that he should probably leave. Look, I understand why he wants to stay at United. You wouldn't want to leave United, of course, if you've got some kind of chance of being successful here. But you it's probably for the betterment of everybody if if we get an okay fee for him and get him off the wage bill ten hard doesn't clearly fancy him too much and maguire can go and prolong his career elsewhere i just think it's probably for the best yeah if maguire has another season like last uh where he hardly plays um think you know prior to uh martinez's injury he only started five premier league games um if he has another repeat of that season and the young lad you mentioned there, Levi Colwell, uh, has a great season at Chelsea. Then he's out of the England team for the Euros. So he cannot afford that's, to take that. Yeah, that, that's another thing he needs to be, be wary of, though. You know, it's it's not just a, a it's not like a, a summer where there's no football. It's the Euros. You know, it's last Euros that he was involved with. He helped get, to a, get us to a final. So surely he's going to have that in the back of his mind. So if he can, like, the likes of, I think Maguire would be good at Tottenham, West Ham, you know, like, He's good enough to play for a decent Premier League team. I just think United need to be looking a bit more if we want to get back to where we were. Um, I don't think the captaincy helped him. And unfortunately, Maguire's been judged against a price tag that just wasn't a price tag that was suited to the value of him. He's never an £80 million player. And then when you add the captaincy on top of that as well, I think he's just been really unlucky in terms of the decision. He was part of um, a string of decisions that weren't right for him, but weren't right for the club either. And the, the person that seems to have suffered the most from that is probably Maguire. So, for the betterment of his football career and his England career, I think if, if a team like Tottenham are after him, because I know Tottenham are after a centre-back at the moment, I think they could do a lot worse than Maguire, to be honest. Yeah, I think he was totally mismanaged by Solskjaer, but also now he's completely lost his confidence. You know, he's when he plays now, he's become a figure of ridicule, you know, and any mistake he makes is magnified. Um where that was not the player that we saw when he first came to the club. I actually quite liked him in his first season at United, but now um, you know you can't rely upon him at all. I mean, he was he was a total disaster in that Sevilla away game. Um, him and yeah. the goalkeeper. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I had a lot to say about the high. I mean, but the, the thing with Maguire is uh, the the football inside of it. You can understand. Yeah, I, I get he's probably better elsewhere. I, the the thing with Maguire is, and the thing that frustrated me the most with him is. As captain, he he said some things in interviews that I thought were very very strange, and I think yep. he didn't take responsibility or any accountability in terms of the mistakes that he did make or the poor performances that he had. Um, and I felt like he was trying to pin any blame onto his teammates. I think if you contrast with what Bruno said in some of his interviews, he tried to take responsibility because he was trying to be the leader and be the captain. And I think that kind of pinpoints where I mean the abuse probably was never you know it was never it was never called for or justified on him but in terms of when Maguire was criticized I think a lot of the reason was because some of his comments regarding him being captain and the way he conducted himself in poor performances in terms of a team he didn't take responsibility for and as captain 
he's supposed to. So I, I think he, he he opened himself up for ridicule in terms of as captain, hundred uh, percent. Because I was really disappointed with some of the comments he made. I think I think one of them was when it was against Burnley. Was it a one-one? And it, it, Maguire was so poor in that game, and he just completely, you know, batted it off as if none of it was his fault. And I just thought it it was just really frustrating the way he said some things that just made me think, you know, like you were poor, own up to it. The fans would respect you a lot more. Um, I, like I said, I just think it was a string of so many things of poor decisions across so many different levels, and you know, from the top all the way down to the playing staff that. Maguire's just kind of reap the punishment for, I suppose. Yeah, there was a yeah, there's definitely a game where he was at fault for the poor result. Yet he's rather than take responsibility himself in his post match interview, he said there needed to be collective responsibility. Um, yeah, and... that was that was the co- yeah, that was the comment I was referring to. He in a way he was right, but the, the the reason why we didn't win that game was because of a mistake he made. And not to sort of dwell on it, but you're the captain and you're the guy that has to rally everyone around to get their performances up. And when you then come out in an interview saying, oh, we needed to take collective responsibility when the goal we conceded was because of him, just uh, like if I was in the dressing room with that and he was trying to put the blame on us, I'd be be saying to him, look, that goal that we conceded was because of your issue and your mistake. Like... I just, yeah, I, it, it was. I think there was, there was, like I said, I think there was so many things that happened in a, an amalgamation of just bad decisions across the board that has has led to him probably not having a career that he thought was going to be so successful at a club that he desperately wanted to play at. Not everything works out in football, and ultimately, it probably hasn't worked out for Maguire. And he's a very good player when he needs to be and when he wants to be. So. He could easily do a very good job for another team. I just think it's best for all parties that he, he goes elsewhere now, to be honest. Definitely. And that Burnley game, was Maguire also at fault for Varane's goal being ruled out? Because Maguire was in an offside position, uh, well, if I, I remember I correctly. I couldn't remember. I, could, yeah. I can't remember completely. I can just I just remember his interview after the game because I just remember being a bit frustrated after it. And, you know, the thing is, you end up being frustrated and in the heat of the moment, you probably say things that you shouldn't, especially when it comes to the players. So, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember in terms of the Varane goal, but I definitely remember that the the, um, the issue is why we ended up, Burnley ended up, I think it was an equaliser. It was either the first goal or an equaliser. I can't remember now, but, um, it's, it's yeah, it's just, the thing is with Maguire, it's just things have gone so wrong for him at the, over the last 12 months. He's obviously well fancied with the England England setup, and if he wants to stay in that setup, then he needs to. He obviously needs to look look elsewhere. I think that's just in my opinion. I think, but you know, it's up to him at the end of the day. Uh, if he wants to stay and fight for his place, I'd respect him. But I just think, I just think it's best for all parties, especially when we're potentially looking at replacing, not replacing, but finding a new right right centre back in terms of to, to phase Varane out, because obviously he's he's getting his age is obviously creeping up higher and higher now. So. And with his injuries that we've had, you know, Fran's a fantastic centre back, but you need to start looking at the age of the players and replacing them. And hopefully next summer we do start looking at the right centre back position. You know, if if it says a lot that if the manager's constantly looking elsewhere and externally for replacements for positions of players that are already at the club, it says that the manager clearly doesn't want you there. So, you know, if you're going to persist, fine. But I just think if you if you want to play football, just leave, go somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's clear to me that Ten Hag is not a big fan of Maguire. I mean, even Luke Luke Shaw, who's a left back, is ahead of him in, in the packing order. Yeah, I, exactly. It, exactly. It's, it says a lot about the game that he, it says a lot about Shaw, but it says a lot about how Ten Hag wants to play and that he doesn't think Maguire can cope with that. If a left back starting over you at setting your position, then there's clearly something wrong, isn't there? Yeah, and there was another Maguire interview where he said, I think he, it was when he was on England duty, that he said he was asked about about his lack of football at United and his performances, maybe. Um, and he said that he had, in his last nine games, he had finished on the winning side for United, and these were a lot of League Cup games and Europa League group matches. Um, and he said oh, he had yeah, nothing. I remember that. It's, it's what I mean. It's the, it's just a total lack of self awareness, and it's it's why it's why he's open to the criticism that he gets because you know what I mean. Like 
oh well I think I'm really good I've played 50 times for England and you know the, the last nine games I've I've played and I've won me United it's, it's like do you know just have some self-awareness and just a bit of accountability you're meant to be the captain and when people are calling out your criticisms and your flaws don't just like openly defend you know take it on board and try and improve and learn from it that's just the impression that he gave in his interviews and I just thought you, you, you're betraying yourself really silly here you know Anyway, just yeah, his his interviews and his comments a lot of the time are what bug me the most about Maguire. I, I never ever, when he's come out and not taken responsibility and accountability for for the, even when the whole team played bad, badly, like he's the captain, so you take responsibility for it. You and the manager take responsibility for it. And then when he's going oh, as a team, we need to take, take collective responsibility. That was what what was making me think. Well, I get what you're saying, but you're also the captain, and it sounds like you're trying to throw some of the players under the bus a little bit. Like it's just, he was no captain for me. Um, he really wasn't any kind of captain for me. And I think the fact that the fact that he only had a season under Ten Hag as captain probably says a lot. And especially when he didn't play. Um, I just think, like I say, I, I don't really like dwelling on it because I find it hard to constantly criticise and say bad things about footballers now in in the modern day, but. Maguire has certainly been a very frustrating figure at Man United for me over the last probably year and a half, I imagine. Yeah, and he also said in that same interview that he's got nothing to prove and that, that really bugged me because the top that, players have always got yeah, something to prove. Do you know, oh, you keep reminding me of everything that pissed me off <laughs> with what he said because yeah. that was a disgrace as well. Like, I've got nothing to prove. Every single time you put a Man United shirt on, you've got something to prove. And I hate using this example. I really hate using this example because it sounds like I'm trying to bring up the glory years. But could you ever imagine Roy Keane saying something that he's got nothing to prove? No. You, you just could. Would Brian Robson ever say that? Like, and I just think like every time you set foot on that pitch in front of the in front of the fans at Old Trafford and all around the world, you always have something to prove in a Man United shirt. You have to show that you you can you can wear that shirt. If you're not fit enough to wear it, then you shouldn't be in it. And he's saying he's got nothing to prove because he plays for Man United. And it's like you have every time you play for your country and every time you play for a club like Man United, you have everything to prove to everybody. So when he said that, I thought that was probably his worst ever comment as captain. And I just thought, I get you defending yourself, but wow, I, I thought that was just I felt like he was so amiss from reality. It was ridiculous him saying that. And it was it, that's what I mean. It's stuff like that just makes me think you've clearly not had a good season with United, but you're saying you've got nothing to prove. That just makes me think well, you're not hungry to improve. You just you're happy being there. And I just thought if if you've got nothing to prove to play for Man United, that is enough. That that is proof and enough that you don't have what it takes to play for United if you don't think you have something to prove when you put the shirt on. So. Like you know, good luck to him, but he, he needs to leave. He, he's not going to be first choice anymore. We've we've improved on him, you know. Like, like I, I've always said, Lindelof I thought was better than Maguire anyway. Um, I actually think Lindelof's a really underrated player as well. So, you know, he's a perfect third choice. I think Lindelof he's done really well when he's come in. But if Maguire's going to want to start for England every week, he's not going to ha- be happy. He shouldn't be happy anyway. But of course, he's got nothing to prove. But he shouldn't be happy as fourth or fifth choice centre back. And if he thinks he's got nothing to prove, then he can sit. He can sit there and be fourth or fifth centre centre back. But if he actually wants to play for England and have a successful Premier League career, then he needs to leave, doesn't he? Yeah, he comes across as arrogant and delusional, doesn't he? And that's 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 not a good thing when you're Manchester. I mean, United. I wouldn't even say arrogant. I'd just say maybe just a little delusional, to be honest. It in those. I mean, I'm not saying he's like that in every interview, and I, I don't know him personally, so I couldn't comment completely, but. Um, in those in particular, those in particular, in those interviews that I've seen, I just thought he came across a bit out of touch with the fan base when he's coming out saying he's got nothing to prove, um, and you know he, he's opened himself up for criticism there. If people start abusing him and sending things to his family home like I like I read last year, then that's obviously completely out of order. But ultimately, if you're going to play for a club like Man United, you need to expect scrutiny and accountability. And it seemed like he was never willing to accept any accountability for any issues or mistakes that happened. And when you're the captain, that's an even bigger flaw. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, This seemed to be uh, another 
nail in the coffin for Maguire. The the arrival of Johnny Evans at Manchester United. Now, initially we were told that uh, he was training with the club to improve his fitness. Then he was given a short-term deal. He, he played in the game against Leon, and he's going to play in the game against Wrexham coming up tomorrow um, in San Diego. Um, he's 35 now. Like He won everything with United, I think, apart from the FA Cup. He won the, the league three times. Um, the Champions League, the League Cup, a couple. I don't of think times. he did. He did. He was he not on loan the season of the Champions League? I'm sure he was. So I don't think he did win the Champions League. But I don't. Um, I, it was the Champions League and the FA Cup. He didn't win. I don't think. Um, I was just looking at his list of honours earlier, and he was down as a Champions League winner. But oh really? All oh, right. Okay. Maybe I must but, be wrong. But. Uh, yeah, I think you could be right that he was playing on loan at Sunderland potentially last season with Roy Keane. Yeah, that's who I thought um, it was. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, he was. A, he was. He, he certainly has uh, a number of medals at, at United. Um, he was in the first team really from about 2008 to 2015. Um, he nearly 200 appearances and I think seven goals. Um, I think he was let go prematurely by Van Gaal, in my opinion. Certainly, he should have yeah, stayed. I'd agree. 100% agree. I think Jones and Smalling certainly should have went first before him, and they lasted a lot longer than him. Um, of course, he won. He did win the FA Cup of Leicester, of course, as well. So he could, if if indeed he does have a Champions League medal um, from 2008, he has a, a full house then. Now he's 35 years old. Now he's had his injury problems. Um, would you consider having him as a, a fifth choice centre back, or do you think that's just ridiculous? Well, before when I said about how United are looking at a potential right centre back, well, or should be looking for a right centre back next season, next summer, because he can spend a more sizable part of the budget on it. If you were to sell Maguire, I don't see any issue with Evans being a stopgap for a season as fourth or fifth centre back. It'll, you know, because he won't be on as much wages either, so it'd clear a big amount of the wage bill. We'd get a decent fee for Maguire. Evans could come in and cover that position of what Maguire was and it saves us money in the long term in terms of next summer and it'd allow us to focus our, our targets this summer and then move on to next summer with, with the right centre-back so I don't think it's silly at all I think bringing Evans in for a, a season I mean to be fair he's still a Premier League centre-back and he could definitely do a job for you know probably a quarter of the teams in the Premier League so I think if if nobody does come in I'd be surprised but um, I'd definitely consider giving him a year. Um, only if Maguire leaves. So I think if Maguire does stay, he'll most likely be. Um, he'll most likely go to like a Luton or a Forest or someone. You know, like a decent team like that. But he's he's I, he's definitely capable of being fourth or fifth centre back for United. I wouldn't have any qualms with that. Save save the budget this summer and go and get a right centre back next summer because we'd be able to spend more on that position. How humiliating would it be if uh, Maguire stayed, Johnny Evans was given the contract? I know both those things are unlikely to happen, but if if in that scenario, uh, and then it comes to a game where Ten Hag is rotating and he starts Evans and leaves Maguire on the bench, that would be the ultimate humiliation for Maguire. But anyway, let's it, move it on. Just, it just, it'd be a clear message from Ten Hag, wouldn't it? And if, if Maguire was still refusing to leave, then it'd probably show you where his... <laughs> His ambitions lay, I guess. But how many messages does he need from the manager? Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so Hodgeland obviously seems to be a prime target. Uh, Fabrizio Romano says we're going to be bidding this week. Um, it seems as if we're willing to pay sixty million euros, and they want eighty, which is absurd for a player with that goal record and experience. Um, now. The Spurs owner Joe Lewis has demanded that the player has to be sold this summer because um, if he's not going to sign a new contract because they don't want to lose him for free. So it seems as if the, the power has been taken away from Daniel Levy there by his boss. Um, so Bayern Munich are pushing for that one. Do you, uh, do you think United could potentially come back in for, for Harry Kane? Um, reading today, apparently, apparently the um, Joe Lewis doesn't really get involved in in a, anything football related so I think in terms of behind the scenes there it sounds like there's a lot of people are taking it with a pinch of salt and it seems like United are very focused on Hoyland at the moment so I, at this moment in time I can't see her going in for Kane or Mbappe for that matter um, 
I can't I can't see it happening, to be honest. I'd, I'd absolutely love Hurricane at Man United, but I just can't see it. I do. If we did sign Kane in addition to Onana and Mount, I think we would be title challengers uh, next season. I could see, easily see. I think uh, that'd be the minimum. We'd have we'd have to challenge for the title. Um, I, the thing that that's the thing with Kane. No one I compared him today with Van Persie. I think Harry Kane would potentially elevate us to the point of could we challenge for the league? Um, Hoyland could potentially do that. But the, the thing with Hoyland is obviously there's a lot of potential that would be buying. So you'd have to have that little bit of patience with him. Whereas with Kane, you kind of got that bit of knowledge in your head going, well, he'd probably hit the ground running, especially with the chances Bruno would create for him as well. He'd, he'd, he'd score quite a lot of goals. Um, but the price tag's the price tag, it's expensive. And considering the owners that we have at the moment, I don't think so. I don't think United have got the funds for it ultimately. Yeah, probably not. Um, yeah, I think Kane could get 30-plus Premier League goals for United, given the chances that we create. I mean, he scored 30 goals for a very, very poor Tottenham team last season, so what could he do for a good team? Um, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would uh, bring us a lot closer to Manchester City, that is for sure. Um, yeah, Mbappe, uh, like it seems as if... Um, well... The Saudi Arabian club who are after him have agreed a 259 million deal with PSG. Now, it remains to be seen whether he wants to go there or not for one season, which I think that's what the deal is, and then he can go to Real Madrid on a free as planned. Um, like Sky Sports are saying that the likes of Inter Milan, Tottenham, and United, and, and uh, Liverpool, Chelsea are interested in Mbappe as well. Inter Milan? I mean, where are they going to get the funds from? Uh, none, of, you know, none of those teams could afford, afford yeah, Mbappe. Yeah. I um, think it's it's just it's Sky Sports just trying to be relevant. I, I don't think any of those teams will get him. Do you know what? I have I do have an issue with Saudi Arabia as a as a country in terms of the the politics and the the human rights issues that are obviously over there, so, and the sports washing that they're trying to do with the uh, with the players that are coming over. However, from a purely footballing standpoint, Kylian Mbappe would be bleeding stupid not to go. I mean, if you like, it's a win-win situation for him, PSG, and Real Madrid. He, he would, he'd play. He'd, he'd still be playing football. He'd kind of be the face of this new project that Saudi Arabia are cl- clearly doing. Um, he'd earn mega, mega money. PSG would make a profit on him, and he'd still go to the club he wants to go in twelve months' time. It's it's kind of a win-win situation for everybody involved. Um, yeah, he'd be playing at a much lesser level, but there's no doubt in with the players that are going over there, the level's clearly improved in Saudi Arabia in terms of the players that are over there. It'd be it'd be absolutely stupid to not go. I mean, I'm not being funny, but I, I wonder if my morals would walk out the window if I was getting £700 million a season, <laughs> to be honest. So I think it'd be stupid not to go. It, 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 I mean, depending on how he politically feels, of course, but... Um, I think it'd be, I think it'd be crazy to turn down that kind of money. That'd change his life. I, I know he's already insanely rich, but my God, it would change his life. That it change anybody's life. I, 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 I'm surprised because he's not going. He's not going. Considering he's on a free, anyone he, he clearly wants to go to Real Madrid. Yeah, he's on a free in twelve months. No one's going to pay two hundred million pounds for him this summer. Real Madrid won't even do that. They, they, they're, they're willing to persevere with Joselu for twelve months and get Mbappe next season. So, I think it'd be stupid not to do it for the twelve months, earn a load of money, and then come back to Europe. But I don't know. Yeah. It's up to him, isn't it? Yeah, I think he, he's going to end up being the first billionaire footballer. Um, I, I I think yeah, PSG would get lots of money. Um, Saudi Arabia would get him for a year to 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 promote their league, and then Real Madrid would get him on a free. So, like I say, it's a it's a win win for everybody in that situation. Apart from us, obviously, because we're not going to get him, um, which would be obviously. Amazing if we got a player of that quality, but the sums are just uh, they're, they're telephone numbers really, and um, so I don't United are just not going to be in the market for him uh, anytime yeah, exactly. soon. Um, uh, the only way we'd be in the market for him is if we got the the Qatari ownership ourselves. But uh, uh, I mean, but that's that's a whole different topic. I mean, even that, different. I don't even think we'd be able to afford him. I don't, I don't even think we'd be able to afford Kane with with new owners, to be honest. But 
that's a, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole show in itself. To be honest, speaking about the Blazers, yeah, yeah it definitely is. Um, I'm sure you talk about it a lot, and I've talked about it a lot, and, and people are probably a bit bored of it now because there's no, there's no news or anything at the moment. But um, it seems as if they're going to be sticking around for at least another few months, at least, possibly longer, unfortunately. But uh, just finally, I just want to discuss the the bizarre new awake it. Um, now it seems to have grown in some people. Um, I know yourself, you're not impressed by the fact that it, it cost uh, eighty pounds, and it's the the fan well, version that, is very I mean, very the, different the, to the, the player version. Yeah, the fan version is eighty pound over here, and the player version I think hundred and twenty. The the eighty pound one, which is still ridiculously priced in itself, looks like it, like it, it. The sponsor looks like a sticker. It's it, it doesn't even look remotely like how the players uh, what the players will be wearing. So I think it's frigging cheeky of both the club and Adidas to be charging that. And I know it's modern football in terms of the the current tops that all the teams wear, but I think it's an absolute disgrace that modern football has got to the point where we're now charging eighty pounds for football shirts that aren't even what the players wear. They should just sell what the players wear. Um, and certainly not for £110. And I'd also like to say it, it probably has grown on a few people, mainly because they sold the Sandro Martin as where it, but I think it's probably one of the worst United kits I've ever seen, to be honest. Yeah, a lot of people have said that. And some people are, it, it, like I say, it's grown on them. Um, I'm not sure where I am at the moment. I, did, I don't think I'm, I'm going to buy it. Um, I do have to say, though, that the leaked third kit, that looks far, far better to me. That is something that I would consider. I really better. like that. The white one. A lot of people are saying it looks very like Liverpool's, but I think it looks I think it looks brilliant. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I would. Yeah, if I was going to fork out the money, it would be that one, I think. Um, Definitely. And the home one, I really like that one. Uh, it's been... I don't like all the home ones. Um, having, like, the the home kits in recent seasons, but that one, the one this season, I like it very much. So, um, but I mean, eighty ninety pounds now for 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 tops is just absolutely ridiculous. And you know, there's no there's no way that I would ever consider buying all three. Um, it would have to be one out of the three, really. Um, unless you obviously, like lots of people do, they to get their their tops on the black market. Um, it's obviously only about no, half no the worries. price. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Callum. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, if everyone could please subscribe to the channel, drop us a like on the video and, and get some comments in down below. And I will see everyone again next week.